We at First Church would like to welcome you, our visitors, and those listening on the radio. We're blessed that you are worshiping with our Lord and risen Savior with us this morning and hope that you're able to learn a few things during our time of Bible study, uplifted with our music and from our songs this morning, and take God's love home with you to share with those you touch. There's a lot of things happening here at First Church as we enter the fall season, some changes, so please look over the bulletin for items to note uh, of interest to you. would like to highlight and point out uh, a few. First, Bruce and Ellen Eschmar are celebrating 52 years of marriage today, so if you see them, please wish them a happy anniversary. Service time change. So, yep, we're moving forward to a 9 a.m. start time for a worship service with a 9.15 um, Sunday school, returning to our, our previous times. Nursery in the basement is open today for child care during the worship service. So that would continue to be offered during the worship service going forward this fall. Today, following worship service, is the Sunday School Kickoff Ice Cream Social. Everyone is welcome to come over and enjoy ice cream. And there's also a Bible study starting next Sunday in the, uh, on the study of prophecy in the Bible. There's a sign-up sheet at the Info Center over to the, uh, the north side of the, uh, of the worship uh, sanctuary. To prepare our hearts for worship, we will now have our prelude.
Please rise and join me in the call to worship. It is taken from Psalm 119. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find the life. Turn my heart toward your statutes. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. I long for your precepts, and your righteousness preserves my life. And now we'll have our praise song, Your Great Name. Oh, shit. 
want to invite our children up for children's chat at this time. Just a reminder, uh, you are invited to come forward uh, for Miss Maria and children's chat. Uh, We just ask for you to kind of spread out and use the space that we have up here. So children, come on up. Join us for children's chat. I know Miss Maria is happy to see you here this morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Hey, Hirschfeld kids. They're grumpy this morning. All right. Well, no grumpy kids. Good morning. Come on up, Caroline. There's the Holman kids. You want to come sit by me, Caroline? Is that where you want to be? Okay. It's kind of like a little preschool reunion up here, isn't it, guys? Yeah. All right. So how many of you have ever really, really, really wanted something? Maybe it was a new pet and you bugged mom and dad. Yes, yes, yes. I, we need a new puppy. We need a new puppy. I'll help take care of it. I promise I'll help take care of it. I'll walk it every day. I'll give it food. Yeah. Okay, so mom and dad finally give in, and they let you have that new puppy, and it lasts about a week. And then that new puppy isn't new anymore, and you forget all about it. And guess who has to take care of it? Your mom and your dad. dad. You got it, Jojo. You're right. Well, you know what? Sometimes that even happens to grown-ups. You know, one time, well, maybe it was more than one time, but every once in a while I get this idea that I need to get in shape. And so I'll go and find a video and I'll buy it and it'll come in the mail. But I'm too tired that day to do it. So I just put the video aside and I'll say, I'll get to that tomorrow. But you know what? Sometimes that video never leaves the shelf because I never feel motivated to exercise. And you know what? In order for us to do something, we have to be motivated, and we have to do it, okay? And you know what? Our Bible is kind of like that. Where's your Bible at at home? Up in your room. room? That's a good place for it, Addie. Is it in your room? Does it just sit? Is it? Do you open it up? No. You open yours up? I have mine, and I read it, and I read it, and I was so dead my book last night. Good. See, that Bible, that, do you? So, that Bible, does it do you any good if it's laying on, the, on your nightstand and you never open it up? No. No. What do we have to do with that Bible? We need to read it, don't we? Yeah, we need to read it. We need to open it up. All right. So sometimes when we forget to do things, we need reminders to do them. Okay. And sometimes that reminder can just be a little cross that you see laying somewhere. And it reminds you, did I pray today? Did I thank God for the house that I live in and for my awesome mom and dad? Did I did I tell God thank you today? So sometimes we need that reminder to help us that we need to open up our Bible or we need to pray or we need to be helpful and do our chores that mom and dad want us to do. Okay, and and in Deuteronomy chapter six, which is what Pastor Joel is speaking on today, it tells us and this is more to our moms and dads, but you guys You're going to get one of these to take with you today to help you remember that you need to pray. But in Deuteronomy 6, it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses or on your gates. You shouldn't just remember what you read, though. You need to make sure that we actually put it into practice in our daily lives. It's not going to be easy, just like working out. It's not always the funnest thing to do, but it can get results. And God will forgive us when we mess up because he knows that we're trying. 
So, we need to remember, we need to remember that it's time to pray, okay? We need to remember uh, to open up our Bible and read our Bible stories, but then we need to remember what those Bible studies say, okay, after we close our Bible. So, you see that little black box up there? Each one of you can take one of these crosses, and you put it someplace to help you remember to open your Bible and to say your prayers, okay? All right, let's pray. Let's fold our hands. Dear Jesus, we are so grateful for these children and their love to learn. Please guide their parents and instruct them in sharing your word with them daily, hourly. Please be with these children. Keep us happy, healthy, and safe. Amen. Okay. Let's go get one of the little crosses from up there. Amen. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, kids. As we turn our attention to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for the names and the families that are listed in your bulletin this morning. Uh, Reminder that those are current needs that people have shared with us uh, as recently as this week. And so we encourage you to be to be praying for those things. Hey, bud. We encourage you to be praying for those things and those families. Um, You may not know exactly what is going on in those situations, uh, but we know for sure that the Lord knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what is needed. And so even when we're not sure what to pray for, we know we can pray and that the Lord hears us and he will act according to his will. As As we pray this morning, I also want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer for our nation and our world in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Uh... The most recent numbers have uh, shown that 915,000 have died across the world from this disease, as well as 192,000 plus in our own country. So I encourage you to be praying for those families, uh, those that have lost loved ones, those that are continuing to struggle uh, and, and fight this disease. This week was also the anniversary, the 19th anniversary, if you can believe it, of September 11th and the terrorist attacks that happened in New York. Uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, and a field in Pennsylvania. And so I encourage you to to continue to be in prayer for those families, people that are still, you know, affected. uh, And our world has changed uh, so much from that one day. And so as we remember the anniversary of that day, I encourage you to continue to pray for our nation and our world as well. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much that we can uh, come to you in prayer. Lord, it really is a, a privilege and an obligation. And those two things seem maybe contradictory, but, but they are true. We have the obligation to come to you in prayer. Lord, you call us, you command us to pray, to lift up our concerns to you, to pray for ourselves, for our families, uh, pray for others, uh, and even pray, Lord, for our enemies. So, Lord, we have an obligation to do so. And so we come here this morning to this place to lift up our voices together in unison to you in prayer. And ask, Lord, that you would work according to your will. Lord, work in ways that we don't expect. And, and Lord, we pray that um, people would be healed. We pray that people would be provided for. Uh, Lord, that situations would, would work themselves out, Lord. Not according to our plan or what we think is best for us, but according to your will. And Lord, prayer is an obligation, but it's also a privilege. What a privilege we have that the creator and sustainer of this universe that, create, that knitted us together in our mother's womb, that knows every single hair on our head, has invited us to, to come and, and spend time with them. Lord, that is what prayer is about. It's that invitation to come and, and spend time with our Heavenly Father uh, and, and know, Lord, the presence of your Holy Spirit living in us. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we have not just the obligation, but the privilege to come to you in prayer. And we do so now together as your body here in this place. We do so, Lord, as as people gathered here in the sanctuary, but also as people listening on the radio and watching on Facebook. Together we are praying and lifting up our voices and our hearts and our minds to you. And we we ask, Lord, that you would work. And we ask, Lord, that in all things you would work for our good and for your glory. Lord, we pray, uh, especially for this ongoing pandemic, we pray for... Uh, leadership and, and people that are in decision-making positions. We pray for wisdom and guidance and discernment. Lord, we pray for health and safety for our children at school and for all of us in our workplaces and in our communities. 
And Lord, we pray also for uh, for our, our national, our state, and our local leaders, Lord, and our government, that you would give them wisdom and a hunger and thirst after your righteousness. And Lord, we pray for, um, in remembrance of, of 9-11, 19 years ago, it seems so... So, so much like yesterday in a lot of ways, and so much has changed in our world as a result of those terrorist attacks. And we pray, Lord, uh, for continued uh, guidance, Lord, and pray, Lord, for us to, to not forget, to remember the, especially the sacrifice of those law enforcement and firefighters and other first responders, Lord, who, who ran into danger in order to rescue and save others. And what a, what a glimpse of, of your love for us, Lord, that you did not leave us uh, hopeless, but, but Lord Jesus, you even laid down your life for us. Thank you, Lord, for that example, and thank you for those who demonstrate that example and that kind of love through their selfless sacrifice. Uh, Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, according to the way he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I invite you to stand with us once again and continue our our worship through song. The the song is Thy Word. We're going to be doing this in a little bit of a call and response style. The the chorus is printed in your bulletin. Uh, The praise team will be leading us in in the verses and invite you to sing along with us for the chorus. Stand and join us as we worship the Lord. seated. As uh, Maria mentioned during children's chat, our scripture reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to that portion of scripture. If you don't have your Bibles with you this morning, the words are printed for you in the bulletin as well. We're going to be looking at the entire chapter. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, 
so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy your face from the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and may go, and you may go in and take the good land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors." Trusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord your God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees, to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. The word of our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that we can gather here as your people and and hear it read, Lord. And now take time to study and examine what it has to say for us today. Holy Spirit, I pray you give me words to speak and that you would open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I found an article, I believe it was just released this week or maybe the week before, um, that had to do with uh, Bible reading and personal kind of devotional habits uh, it's actually it, it reflected some interesting information from the time of the pandem- from the start of the time of the pandemic, uh, but it's uh, something that the Barna Group, which is a, a Christian-based research organization, has done uh, for 10 years now. This is the 10th anniversary. They call it the State of the Bible, and, it, and it's a wide-ranging uh, survey that deals with uh, the Bible reading habits and those sorts of things of of Americans, Christians, and otherwise. And it was interesting, this article stated that before the pandemic, uh, so this would be January of 2020, uh, the, the numbers were pretty similar to what they were last year, which had been about, according to the survey, about 13.7% of Americans who say they read the Bible on a daily basis. But when that same question was asked and the survey went out again in June of 2020, that number was down to 8.5%. That's, a, that's quite a change there, 5% change during the, the first few months of the pandemic. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. 13.7% ain't that great to begin with, right? If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, that's 13 out of 100 people that say they read the Bible daily. But dropping down from 13.7 to 8.5, I mean, 13.7 is still better than that. I don't know about any, a lot of you probably felt the same way I did when everything was shut down a few months ago. We found ourselves suddenly with more free time, and, and I thought to myself, man, there's, there's some things that I've always kind of wanted to do, and now I have the time to do it, right? You know, we talked about working out a little bit more, exercising more than I, like I knew I should, picking out some extra hobbies. I baked bread for the first time in my life. Um, it went okay. It was edible, but I wouldn't say it went that well. 
uh, tried to even pick up some other things. I, I knew that with everything shut down, there would be more time to do the things that I thought I wanted to do. But the reality is that things didn't go as planned, right? I tried to bake bread a couple times. Then it hasn't really happened a whole lot since. And let's not talk about the exercise part of that. In fact, what, what we see here is we think that our extra time, right, the extra time that we have is going to lead to us doing the things that we find to be important or things that we at least want to do. But what this study from the Barna Group has shown is that extra time does not necessarily equate with more Bible reading. Right? In fact, the study shows the opposite. Our problem as Christians is not a, is not a lack of time. Right? Our problem with, with not reading the Bible as often as we should or not taking the time to, to pray and do other things we know we're supposed to do, our problem is not with a lack of time. It's a lack of commitment. We'll make time for the things that we're committed to, the, to the things that we care about, and that includes personal devotion. And so I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing in that area? How are you doing when it comes to, to seeking God out in his word and through prayer on your own? Are you part of that 8.5% that can say they still continue to read the Bible daily? Or, if, or are you part of that other 90-some percent uh, that, ha, that does not do that on a regular basis? It's important to, to be able to evaluate yourself in that way. You see, following Jesus requires so much more than just one, a one-hour-per-week commitment. Right? Think about it. You know, we spend an hour together worshiping on Sunday mornings. That's what we're doing, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's something that we should do. But it's just one hour a week. If I did my math right, that means there's 167 other hours during the week that we are doing other things. Now, I know a lot of that is devoted to things you have to do, like sleep, right, work, other family responsibilities, those sorts of things. But that's still a lot of time, 167 hours, compared to one that we typically spend together worshiping the Lord in church. But here's my point, right? It's entire, if the entirety of your spiritual formation, if everything you do in regards to, to committing yourself to the Lord and following Jesus is encapsulated in one hour in a given week, it's just not enough. Right? It's just not enough to sustain you and, and, and enough to, to grow you in your faith and your relationship to the Lord. We need to devote ourselves to more, more to prayer and reading of the Word. And that's why I entitled this sermon this morning and our scripture passage uh, from Deuteronomy 6 talks about how discipleship begins in the home. Because we need to seek the Lord out more than just when we're within the walls of this church. We need to seek the Lord out in everything we do, in our, in our home lives, in our work lives, in our family lives. The faith that God calls us to, the faith that he gives us is all-encompassing and includes more than just a weekly time slot on Sunday mornings. See, there's things that are competing for our attention during those other 167 hours too, isn't there? Not all of it's bad, of course, right? Not everything we do outside of church is, is bad or anything like that. But we are constantly bombarded by competing worldviews, right? Whether it be from work, school, family, social media, politics, right? You name it. There are things out there that are competing for our time and for our attention. And those things, rather than Scripture, will shape our lives and our perspectives if we're not careful. Right? That's why we need to devote ourselves to prayer and to Scripture reading, that's why discipleship needs to begin in the home rather than passively waiting and relying on someone else to do it for you. Now, a couple of caveats before we, before we continue on into this passage. First, when I say that discipleship begins at the home, I'm not talking about just parents and children, although this passage does use that as an example. It's also, I'm also talking and more generally, each of us, Right, has a responsibility to ourselves as well as, our, as well as to our families to pursue the Lord. Right, that was true before the pandemic. It was blatantly obvious for us when everything was shut down. And it will continue to be true in the future no matter what the next few months or years bring. So whether you have young kids, whether you have grown kids, whether you have no kids, the truth of the matter is still the same, right? We're, what we're talking about here still applies to you today. Discipleship begins in the home. And discipleship begins in the home, but, but what happens at church still matters. 
right? The conclusion of the sermon is not the ministry of the church is unimportant, right? I'm not standing up here to tell you that what happens at church on Sunday mornings or during Sunday school or Bible studies is of no consequence. Those things are important. That same study that the bar, that showed the personal Bible reading habits also showed that people who are actively engaged in church tend to read the Bible more on their own. In other words, there's a direct correlation between, between commitment to church and personal commitment to the Lord and those other habits. So what we do at the church does matter, and it should equip you to be better disciples at home. Our job as a church is to encourage and equip you to follow Jesus, to give you the tools to better follow Jesus those other 167 hours of the week. So Bible studies, Sunday school classes, youth group, all those things are important, and they're meant to encourage and equip you, and you should be involved in those things. But to get us back to the text at hand, and, and to get us back to the text at hand, right, the, the context of this passage from Deuteronomy is that Moses is speaking to an assembled body of believers, right? This was the people of Israel gathered together and hearing Moses, in essence, preach his last sermon. If you recall from, you know, the story of, of God's people from the time they left Egypt to their wilderness wanderings, Deuteronomy is them on the doorstep of the promised land. Moses is aged. He knows that he is that he is about to go to be with the Lord. And so Deuteronomy is, in essence, his last sermon to Israel. And in Deuteronomy 5, he recaps the Ten Commandments. And in other sections of Deuteronomy, he goes on to, to further explain the law and its implications. And so here in Deuteronomy 6, he's telling them to not forget, to continue to, to fear the Lord and to strive to know him better. And so even here in this, Moses is speaking to them in the context of God's people gathered together so that when they go on with their lives, they are equipped to serve the Lord and to seek him out. And so I'm going to, we are going to look at this whole passage today. And for the most part, we're going to paint with some broad brush strokes, uh, but while focusing in on some key verses. So I want to start here at the beginning of verses one through three, where where Moses is, is giving us the so what, right? Why discipleship at home is so important. And there's two things he says here, two things that are introduced by so that, right? He says, remember these things, keep these commands, observe these, these instructions. And he says two things, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you. So that's the first thing. These, these commandments are given to us so that we may fear the Lord by obeying his commandments. It's important to remember when scripture talks about fearing the Lord, it's not talking about being afraid of him or terrified as if we're like afraid of the dark, right? Fear in, in scripture in this sense is more about awe and reverence and respect. It's holy reverence and submission that is demonstrated by obedience, and, and there's an implied relational aspect to it, right? You obey out of your reverence and awe, not out of fear or punishment. Or excuse me, fear of punishment. And the second so that here is that they would live long and prosper. How many of you here are Star Trek fans, right? Raise your hands. Anybody? No? Nothing? All right. Spock, right? One of the main characters. I got a few chuckles. Okay, I'll take that. Spock, right, one of the main characters, he would always hold up this sign that was his greeting, and it meant live long and prosper, right? It was this greeting that they would give. Moses here is saying that when we learn to obey God's commands, when we learn to live for him in this way, they will lead to life and prosperity. There's a correlation between, between obedience and blessing. Obey God and keep his commands, and things will go well for you in the new land. That's what Moses is telling his people here. And now that's generally true, right? We can say that that generally tends to be true in this world. Think about what it means to operate and maintain a vehicle, right? If you do so according to the owner's manual, you will generally keep the car up and running longer. But there's no guarantee that it's going to prevent serious problems from occurring. So what Moses is saying is here, when we learn to live according to God's law, that means generally speaking, life will go well because that's the way that God created us and intends for us to live. But that doesn't mean all problems are, will go away. I think what Moses is alluding to here in, in the New Testament makes even more abundantly clear is that he's talking about quality of life 
not quantity of life. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Right? He, he's, Jesus there is talking about the quality of eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God that begins the moment you trust in Christ and you surrender your life to him and it will carry on through eternity, through this life and the life to come. And it's that eternal life, that faith that leads to obedience to Christ. So that's why, that's why Moses is calling us to, to, to this obedience, to this sort of discipleship. And then in verses 4 and 5, he gives us really the core of the passage and the law as a whole. He says, The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? This is the very central teaching of the law in the New Testament. When Jesus was approached during his ministry and asked to sum up the law, which one of these is the greatest commandment? In Mark chapter 12, Jesus responds by saying this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 really is like the core, the central aspect of, of the law, right? And everything flows out of that. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Verse 4 is really kind of like a, a pledge of allegiance. All right, think about the pledge to the flag, right, that, that Americans say, right? I pledge allegiance to the flag, to the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, right? That's the pledge that we learn from a little age, and we, we stand with our hand over our heart, facing the flag, and recite those words, right? It's a pledge of allegiance. It's a pledge to, to align ourselves with the ideals of, of America. Deuteronomy 6.4, in a sense, is like a pledge of allegiance for God's people. These are radical words, right? In a day and age when most people, in fact, pretty much all people were polytheistic, in other words, they, they believed in and worshipped many gods, to say that there was only one was pretty dramatic, right? Pretty radical, the words, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, could also be easily translated as the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. In other words, there is no other God. We will worship him only and exclusively. So it's a pledge to, of declaring our allegiance to the Lord. And then verse 5 sums up what that looks like. Love him with everything you have, your whole being. Right? The foundation of the law is a personal relationship with God. Obedience, then, is, is an outgrowth of, God. first of all, God's love for us, of course, through Christ, but also our love and response to him. We obey because we love the Lord, not out of a sense of legalism or duty. 1 John 4.19 reminds us that we love because he first loved us. And Jesus tells his disciples in John 14.15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right? There's, a, there's a connection between our love for the Lord and responding to that love with obedience to his commands. Right, love isn't just an emotion. It's a, it's a covenant commitment demonstrated through actions. It means when we love something, we, we choose to respond with our, with our lives, with our attitudes and our actions. So that's the core of Moses' teaching here. He says everything can be summed up with this, pledging our allegiance to the Lord and loving him with everything we have. That's what it means to be obedient to Christ. That's what it means to follow him. And he says this is what we need to then pass on to our children. That's what we need to commit ourselves to. And he, and he talks about how we integrate that in the next verses, 6 through 9. He says that we are called to impress, excuse me, these commandments are, we give you today are to be on your hearts. Notice here he says hearts and not minds. We often think, right, if we're talking about scripture, we think of that as an intellectual engagement, right? But, but Moses here isn't saying memorize them and keep them on your mind. He says uh, keep them on your hearts, right? There's an important difference there. The heart was the, the, so, the focus of, of the will of decision making. It's very relational. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, it's not a purely intellectual commitment, it involves our, our whole being, our, our very center of who we are. The prophet Jeremiah understood this. Speaking in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, 
It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Right? That's the hope we have in Christ. That's the promise that God makes us is that, is that he will impress his law. He'll write his law on our very hearts so that it's no longer a matter of external obedience, but it's a matter of, of an overflow of our heart and our commitment to the Lord. And we are then called to impress those things on our children. Right, when, I was, uh, when I was younger, I was in Boy Scouts, and I remember I always loved sharpening my knife, right? taking a whetstone and, and spending time sharpening the knife. The word that Paul, or excuse me, Paul, Moses uses here to for impress on our children is actually the word sharpen. It says sharpen these things on your children. That's the literal meaning of the word. And it reminds me of that time in Boy Scouts when I would sharpen a knife. In order to sharpen a knife, you need to repeatedly draw the blade across the stone over and over and over again. Doing it just once isn't going to do the trick. It needed to be a repeated action. And that's what Moses is alluding to here, that as we impress these things on our children, or on ourselves for that matter, right, it needs to be constant, consistent, and repeated. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right? And so as we, as we teach ourselves, as we teach our children what it means to follow the Lord, it needs to be uh, repeated, and we are sharpening ourselves and them for action. Right? This sort of discipleship requires active participation. It doesn't just happen by accident. Remember, we make time for the things that we care about, and so we need to make time for this. How do we impress these things on our children? How do we impress it on ourselves, our own hearts? Moses gives us a few examples. He says that we need to talk about it. He says we talk about these things when you're home and when you're away. It's a reminder that our commitment to the Lord is for all of life, not just when we're here at church. Right? This goes back to that commitment I was talking about earlier. If the only time we ever think or talk about the Lord is that hour we're in church on Sunday mornings, then we're missing the point. This needs to be an all-encompassing aspect of who we are. It includes not just our church lives, but also how we live at home, how we live at work, how we interact with our families when we're at school. So it's when we're at home and when we're away. It's also when we lie down and when we get up. It's a reference to morning and evening, of course, which is just a way to talk about it being all day, right? It's important for us to set aside times to read the Bible and pray, but we also need to know that faith is all-encompassing. It's holistic. It's a 24-7 commitment. It's not we read our Bible we bookmark it, we close it, and then set it aside and go on with our lives. We, we read our Bible so that when we go to work, when we go to school, when we interact with our family, those words that we read soak in and make a difference in our lives. And that's important. He also talks here about physical reminders. He talks about binding these things as symbols on our arms and our foreheads. Now, people have taken this over the centuries quite literally. You can see devout Jews even today at the Western Wall in Jerusalem with small little boxes bound to their foreheads and on their arms. Those are called phylacteries, and they, they write actual scripture passages, including this one, and place them in those boxes as a very literal interpretation of this passage. But again, I think Moses is referring to not, not a literal binding of these scripture passages on our faces, but what they represent, right? Our foreheads represent our mind, our thoughts, our scripture. God's word needs to be constantly on our minds as we go about our lives. It needs to be bound to our arms, right? Our arms represent action and strength. Scripture, God's word needs to inform how, what we do and how we live our lives. They're also meant to be bound on our doors and our gates, right? Faith isn't confined to our church, but it's also how we live when we're at home and when we're in public, all right, true spirituality arises from the heart and extends to all aspects of life. 
couple things I want to share with you here before we wrap up to kind of sum up these last few, last section of verses. So, so Moses gives us instruction on how we can seek God out when we're at home with our families on an individual level. And then he gives us the reason why these things are important. And there's two things he says in the following verses. One, he says, is that we have the, we have the challenge of forgetting God. He tells these people that they're about to enter a land and they're about to receive things that they did not earn for themselves. Cities they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, right? Vineyards and olive groves that they did not plant. They're about to receive a lot. And the temptation is when we are blessed, when we, when things are going well for us, when we have more than we need, the temptation is that we forget the Lord, right? It's easy to remember the Lord. It's easy to depend on him in hardship. Right? God often uses hardship to draw people to himself. How many times have you heard people telling stories about when they hit rock bottom and finally realize their need for the Lord? God uses those things. But the opposite can be dangerous. We often hear stories as well of people who have been so blessed materially that they never realize their need for the Lord because they've never learned what it means to depend on him. Right? We forget what it means to pray to God for our daily bread when we have refrigerators and pantries and freezers full of food and enough money in the bank to go replace that whenever we need to. Right? When, we, when we no longer, quote, need to depend on God, we, forget, we have a tendency to forget him and all that he's done for us. And so in our prosperity, we need to remember to not forget the Lord and we need to safeguard ourselves against that by being diligent with our study of scripture and our prayers. And the second challenge then is that we often are tempted to serve other gods. Moses also reminded the people to serve God and him alone. They were going into a land where there were already people there who worshiped other gods and it would be tempting to serve them, right? Maybe there was something to gain by serving these gods. Maybe they wanted to serve them just to fit in. There are plenty of gods, quote, gods, that are competing for our attention today as well. I already talked about how worldviews compete for our attention. And it may be easy, it may be popular or convenient to allow those things to shape our lives, to shape our thinking, to shape our commitments. So Moses warns us not to allow ourselves to be tempted to serve other gods, but to commit ourselves to the Lord and to the Lord alone. And then finally, He talks about the importance of passing it on. He presents the scenario of a child coming to a parent and saying, why do we do these things? If you're a parent and have had the privilege of raising kids, they never stop asking that question, right? Why are we doing this? Why, 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 why? Right? It's normal. There's going to come a point for you're going to ask yourself this question. You're going to have kids ask this question. You're going to have friends of yours ask this question. Why do we do what we do? Why do we commit ourselves to the Lord? Why do we do these things? It's natural to ask that question, and it's important for us to be able to have an answer when that question comes up. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I want to close by pointing out that the response here is not because I said so. Right? The response here is not, that's the way we've always done it. But the response that Moses highlights for the people here is, is, a, is pointing back to the great and wonderful and awesome deeds of the Lord, about his salvation and about his rescue of God's people from Egypt. He says, we were once slaves in Egypt. They were rescued by God's mighty hand when he performed many signs and wonders, and that God ultimately brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. In other words, their obedience is tied to what God had done to save and rescue them. And the same is true for us. We were not slaves in Egypt, but we certainly were slaves to sin. God rescued us through Christ, through the miracle of his death and his resurrection. Jesus himself is the Passover lamb who was sacrificed in our stead. God gives us eternal life through his Holy Spirit, and one day he will bring us into the promised land to be with him forever. That's what's important, and that's why we obey. Again, it's not legalism. It's not a sense of duty or obligation. It's a response, a response to what God has done for us in Christ, 
a response to the salvation that he has made available to us. And so we respond by loving him and serving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because our Lord is God and he is God alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the call that you have given us to seek you out, not just when we're here at church, although this is good and what you call us to do as well, but also in our own lives, in our own homes, with our families, with our friends. Lord, give us an opportunity. Give us the desire to know you more and to seek you out in those ways because you deserve it, Lord, because you saved us and rescued us from our sin. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we we close our service today, I invite you to stand with us as we sing number 275, How Firm a Foundation. reminder for those that are here this morning, I invite you, if you'd like to join us for our ice cream social after church today, to hear about what is happening for our kids in the Sunday school department in the coming year. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace. Amen.